0: Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition,
1: well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Mattie Samai, cosmetic nurse injector and
0: TV celebrity of the hit show, The Real Housewives of Sydney. Mattie is not afraid to speak her
1: mind and tell it how it is. A renowned beauty expert, Mattie Samai is the owner of the Medi Spa by Mattie, an elite practice located in Double Bay of Sydney. With a career spanning 22 years, Mattie is one of Australia's most experienced and highly respected non-surgical cosmetic nurses. Good morning, Mattie. Thanks for joining us. Hi guys, thank you year. for having
2: me. <laughs> Happy ha- New Year. Happy New Year to you too. I can see you've had your faces done for the New Year. You were <laughs> looking very smooth. I thought no I was wrinkles. looking surprised, no? <laughs>
1: that was, Jake actually did mine last. How long did ago it? Did he? You got a very uh, nice arch. Only about a month ago, I think. A month ago, yeah. So I, I, still I look felt like you were looking too <laughs> stressed. I'm, I'm looking fresh now. You're looking
2: very fresh. Yeah. And I love the lips. Yeah, your the pouch is absolutely perfect. Well done, Jack. <laughs> Thank you I so much. We didn't do
1: those a month ago.
2: Oh, uh, the recent.
1: Yeah, I got teased incessantly by my girlfriend at the time when the swelling was still present.
2: <laughs> Why did she want your lips? No,
1: she just she was just teasing me. It was
2: <laughs> nothing better <laughs> than a full lips.
1: <laughs> Actually, that's a
0: good point to read this quote. So Matty, I read this about you. You said, my lips might be fake, but they always speak the truth.
2: Yes they are.
0: That's such an awesome quote.
2: (laughs) That was my quote from the housewife. Yeah, because it's absolutely true. They're fake, but God, do they speak the truth. I'm actually learning not to speak in 2020. Right. My mother always said it takes a year to learn to speak and it takes a lifetime to learn to not oh. to speak and know when to shut up so I'm actually trying to learn that so let's see if it will work today we're putting it in practice today <laughs> is that
1: new year's resolution new
2: year's resolution
1: oh gosh inside
2: Wait. aesthetics let's see maddie can keep silence
0: <laughs> <laughs> not not today you need to speak today no I'm not
2: going to throw anything at you guys so you're safe <sighs> we're not going to have a housewife episode here <laughs> we're not pulling anything
0: damn I was hoping for a bit of <laughs> intrigue and uh,
2: some syringes going to turn around yeah. i we going to throw syringes at each other. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so Matty, for the people who uh, maybe are listening abroad who haven't come across you, tell us a bit about who you are and how you came to be.
2: Okay. I am Mati Samai. I have been a nurse injector for over 22 years. Um, I remember I was very young. My dad had, when I was, before I actually entered university, my dad and my sister being a doctor, had a medical center. And at the time at the medical center, I met a lady called Marilyn Casada, who was one of the very pioneers of the first ladies who actually did dermophilus. And at the time she used a product called collagen.
0: So what year was this?
2: My God, I graduated in 1998, so take it back, I will probably say, oh, 94, like a wow. like, while, while ago. That's we're talking super. about the time hyaluronic acid didn't exist, yeah. toxins were not available, and the only product was a bovine collagen at the time. And obviously, coming from a cultural background such as Iran, plastic surgery, cosmetic procedures are a very normal part of our life. I mean, in Iran, when you turn 18, your parents do give you... A nose job, but it's acceptable for breathing
1: difficulties, right?
2: Yeah, for breathing difficulties. (laughs) Just to clarify, Uh, and it is very true. All Persians have have their nose broken somehow. But if you look at Alibaba or our, you know, ancestors, we've got the bump. But I was given a nose job at eighteen, so it's just part of culturally acceptable. It's just a different culture. You can't really criticize it. And I come from a family that looks was very important. My mother was very glamorous lady. She was probably one of the very first ladies that had collagen herself in Iran. Um, She had her nose on by Dr. Osanlu, who is very high regards, Dr. Tessier, who were one of the very pioneers, again, in plastic surgery going back years and years ago. Mm. So, we talk about 40 years ago. So, you know, culturally for us, having cosmetic procedures are very normal. So, coming from that, for me, entering this industry is quite normal and has always been something that I wanted to do.
1: Right. But I guess up until this point, it was so new in Australia, there wasn't really someone to follow or a career path that you could sort of carve out for yourself. Very much so,
2: very much so. I mean, I remember when I first started working in the industry, I mentioned the term toxin to one of my girlfriends who I, from obviously I did nursing and I entered cosmetics. she became a medical rep. And when I was telling her about toxins and what they do, she just couldn't stop laughing. I remember when I was telling people what I do for living, they used to laugh and think, why would you want to stop frowning? But Me, I suppose, for me, coming back from that Persian background, I've always had a passion for beauty, and one of the main things that I always looked at is how to slow down aging, and hopefully, I've done quite a good job in my own face. You're looking yes. beautiful. Yeah, ageless.
0: <laughs> well, I had to double check uh, your age when I was reading about your profile. I was like, no way, she looks too good.
2: Oh my god, I know if you knew my real age. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, got published it, age and real age. I yeah. know
2: my daughter was goes, Mom, you've been forty four for a long time. I'm going, yes, it's going to remain forty <laughs> <laughs> oh, four.
0: Fair enough. So, why did you choose nursing? Um, Was it a deliberate uh, sort of route to what you're doing Well, I'll be really
2: honest. If I got into medicine, I would have because my sister did. So I didn't score that high. So practically when I did my HSC, it was to get into this cosmetic field at a time when I'm at Maryland, I realised that you either have to be a doctor or a registered nurse to inject S4 drugs in Australia. And... Um, I, when I did school, surprisingly, I was pretty good in math. So I did four unit maths and mm. my other option was getting into aeronautical engineering, right. but I had to move to Newcastle to do it. So my dad being an ethnic father was like, no, 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 you're not going to Newcastle. You going to do nursing. And at the time, that's what I chose. And my vision from the moment I entered nursing was never to be a bedside nurse, was to become a cosmetic nurse.
1: Okay, so that was
2: always a vision I wanted to have for myself.
1: So. I guess if we go back to what the industry was like at the time, who else was doing this kind of stuff? Were you like the first or were there other people doing I, it?
2: I would say probably Marilyn Casada was one of the yeah. very first one. Danny was, I started working as soon as I finished my nursing degree. I also, while I was doing nursing, I did cosmetic tattooing because I just liked it. I did makeup courses. So for me, I've always been lucky enough to have the aesthetic eye. And I don't know if you guys are aware, but um, early in, 2015 I also worked with, with Miss Universe Australia as one of the judges and as one of the girls beauty advisors of the pageants and at the time while I was doing it for four years my girls got all got in the top ten right. so it's been beauty and passion. beauty has been part of my passion but um, when I entered this field um, it was something that I was extremely passionate for um, Marilyn Casaro going back she was one of the nurses, Dr. Moore was doing it, um, there were a few others but the industry wasn't this big, there were practically maybe two or three clinics doing it we're going back to the time that i started doing laser hair removal and for every 15 minutes we charged 250 dollars yeah it's exactly what a lawyer charges you. Yeah. So that's what, because it was so rare and it would like take hours to do. Yeah. So the industry has changed dramatically if you think about it. Now, like having your toxins on it, like coloring your hair, whether it's something we want to accept or not, but it's changing very, very rapidly. It's become yeah. part of the norm.
1: Yeah. You touched on an interesting point when you said um, you had an aesthetic eye and that's something that I think a lot of people don't Perhaps appreciate that to be a good injector, you need to understand. I guess the the medical side, and say uh, uh, in terms of. Anatomy,
0: pharmacology.
1: anatomy, yeah, anatomy yes. pharmacology, all those sorts of things. But then you've also got to have that, that ability to be able to look at something. And sometimes those personality traits aren't in the same person.
2: That's absolutely very, very correct. So through my career, obviously working, I work in one of the largest clinics at a time, Hiba Davis, and I was there, I, was, I became the head nurse and I yeah. trained many doctors and nurses. And at times, I don't think it was very much a difference between a doctor and nurse. It comes with your aesthetic eye. And also it becomes with your knowledge of anatomy. It's something that obviously you have a desire to learn and progress yourself because just because you're a doctor as you know dr jake you don't necessarily know the whole anatomy of the face you don't sit there and dissect it you learn it maybe the first year of uni but it's not something that continues on so it's just something that we have to as in our profession decide to continue and constantly learn and research but i think to be a good injector it's your aesthetic eye it's also your technique and also practicing safe and understanding your limit and understanding what you can and can't do
0: yeah and lastly and you have this in a having the X factor to connect with your patients?
2: Having the X factors. And I think one thing that you would agree on is expertise. It's also years and years of doing it. I mean, I have been injecting for 22 years and I would say I'll probably, uh, when I started at Heber Davis back then, I used to inject six days a week and six days a week injecting, practically gives you that experience. I mean, I come from the time that the toxin at the time was not even TJ approved for cosmetic purposes and it got taken off the market and came back again. So um, when you look at it, that many years of experience gives you an eye for it. But I also can look at faces, say what works, what doesn't. And so many times what I'm looking at the new industry is we have, it's kind of changing and it's changing the way that with teaching people. I think I was quite privileged because when we learned, we learned from basic format of filling the lines. We were used to follow and filling the lines. So I learned that. But then a few years later became about volumizing and understanding how a face changes. I have been fortunate enough to have these techniques in hand because not in every patient you have to do facial volumization and do the cheeks, but in some patients you do need to do the nasal labial. But unfortunately, I think with some of the new injectors that are learning, they are being disadvantaged or learning learning those really basic principles of injecting. And if one of the things I do at my practice, I believe in less is more, I practice safe, it is very important for all the nurses out there to understand these are S4 drugs. Yeah. Never get too confident. You do have to have a doctor. Um, at the end of the day, if there's a complication, I always think about it. And I always think, if I'm gonna cause a complication, my doctor has to be here and give the, this patient, whether we're gonna hyalase it, whether we're gonna an- give antibiotic. Those are the things we always have to understand in regards to practicing safe. Mm-hmm. And also understand your boundaries. If you're not confident, don't do it. Just because a patient wants their temples doesn't I mean, if I don't feel comfortable doing it, don't do it.
0: Yeah. I, I worked with you very, very briefly for a couple of days when you needed some cover. Yes. And I quickly learned that you're a very conservative but skilled injector.
2: Thank you very much.
0: So, you know, that's a real takeaway. People might sort of think, oh, she's on Real Housewives. She's obviously really glamorous and, you know, looking at you. But your actual aesthetic eye is quite conservative thank you
2: it is and and i like to keep it like that because at the end of the day i do have you know i i one of the main things with the nurses like a lot of them go what do we do it's very important to have right doctors on site you have to associate with the right doctors your doctors have to be on site they really have to be a phone call away and one of the main things that is always this question comes up about practicing safe i don't think it's doctor or nurse like the other day i had a doctor ring in my practice that actually didn't have high lace so for a practice to actually be practicing and as a doctor and it was in the area, it's like, do you have high I needed a most." So it's not, I think you need to really follow. You need to have your emergency kit there. You need to have your doctors on board. You need to have your consent form. One of the main thing to do this practice is your actually consultation. What people don't understand is. And that was one of my biggest challenges in this field that I found that when I first started, that realistic client expectation was the key because you do the toxin, then they come back to go, it didn't work. And guess what? If you spend another half an hour, if you took the right photos, if you actually could show people the before and afters of each progress, sometimes for some people can take three or four goes of the toxin before the front line softens. So those are the times that you have to put. And with any new injection, out there or anyone out there, I would say your consultation is the key Hmm. and never ever be so, you know, sometimes patients challenge us. If you think it's not the right thing for the patient, don't do it. Let them go somewhere else. I do actually, what I've now realized in my career, I actually do say no a lot more. Like in a day, if I see 10 clients, probably I say no to four of them for what they want. I'll say, I won't do it. Go and get someone else to do it. And normally every time they've gone elsewhere, they come back to go, we shouldn't have done it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Lots of our listeners are nurse injectors and some of them have asked me to sort of ask you in various ways, how do you, and you've sort of answered it, how do you work as an autonomous nurse, I guess, but still sort of practice safely and and have that balance between not being a doctor but still being a nurse who's doing effectively her own thing. You have
2: to meet my sister, Dr Haley. <laughs> you couldn't get away with doing the wrong thing by her. Yeah, right. um, no, so there's been a number of things. I'm quite fortunate that my sister is a doctor. I have got my cousin who's a surgeon. I've yes. got quite a lot of doctors in our family. And I and I, what I think I have made sure is I have connected myself with a lot of powerful surgeons such as Dr Tavakoli who is a very well-known plastic surgeon. I have a great relationship with Warwick Nettle. So I think in our industry, we really need to have those connection. this is number one thing. Number two thing, as a practice, I have at the beginning obviously was an employee. I worked for doctors and I, at Hiba Davis Clinic. One thing I have to go back to my old boss Jeffrey Heba. Ethically, he would teach you all the right things, and he was a very good teacher. Following by that, when I contracted, I worked with number of high profile surgeons. But today, I have got three to four doctors associated with my clinic, and. I run it by the book. So there is not one client walks in that doesn't get prescribed. I never ever, a new client comes in, I do not. And if the patient has never had the procedure before, i make sure that my doctor is present on board because client safety comes first. And I think if you look at client safety first, and I think you've got to also think about your career. You want to be in this career for a long time. I don't want to be here short time. And I enjoy doing what I'm doing. So I think you have to practice safe and you have to understand your limits and I think the problem come back with some people that practice from home, people who don't want to practice safe. And, and that's a shame. I remember ages ago, one of the nurses dubbed another nurse in uh, because what the nurse was doing, the other nurse was practicing from home. Mm. And at the time, everyone raised that the other nurse that dubbed the other nurse in. But at this time, I'm actually very privileged she did it because what if once one person does something wrong, she puts my career in jeopardy. Yeah. And for someone like me that I do pay prescription to my doctors, I run a clinic i got, I got all my drugs in the right fridges in the right temperature. I have got all my products locked up with do stock check. You have to run your business, whether it's you as one injector or you got 20 injectors. I run it very much so that you can see where everything goes. And I think that's really important, taking clear notes, taking good photos of the patient. Consent forms are very important. With the recent blindness that has happened, if you want to look at it, probably it's been the number of blindness by fillers of. At, um implants that have been caused, these we mostly the blindness have been caused by some of the very top surgeons. Maybe there has been one or two nurses involved, but I think the clients need to be known. Like every client comes and sits on my bed, knows that you can we can get a uh, vascular occlusion. You may have to get highlights. You may have an allergy to these highlights. We may have to go to the hospital. You may go, So you need to inform your clients. You can cause a problem and say, oh, by the way, oops. This is yeah. going to happen. Yeah.
1: Well, I think when one of the points you raised was how popular these things are becoming, like it's normal, like you said, like yes. colouring your hair. So I guess the danger we have with that sort of mindset across the industry yep. is that it becomes a bit trivialised. Yes. And I think there's a, like, perhaps people that are coming out looking to get into a career of cosmetic nursing maybe don't appreciate that. You know, things can go wrong. This is a, this is a medical procedure. Both both patients and maybe yes. people that are looking to enter into it as a career.
2: I think at the end of the day, you have to remember this is a medical procedure, and the S four drug you're using, a doctor has to purchase it for you. And when you understand that, you also have to respect that that for the patient's safety has to come first. And I think those are the very important thing. This is not like a cosmetic tattooing industry that we can just get a you know. And every procedure has got side effects. And I understand the side effect with these procedures are minimal, but there are still side effects. and the more you practice, the more complication you're gonna have. There's not one injector out there that has practiced as long as me and says, I have never had a complication. If you haven't had a complication, then you really haven't done your job right. You know, We all have had complication and that's the way we learn. But it's also when your client has a complication, how are you going to fix it? So most of the time that a client's turn on people is when they have a complication, they get ignored, they get mistreated. There's not, if a client has a problem as, as a nurse, immediately your doctor has to come and see them. You need to do all the precautionary thing for actually resolving the problem. And these are the things we have to know. Do you have a complication book at your work? Do you know who was the last person at the complication? Do you follow up your patients? Those are all the little things come back that keeps client satisfaction and clients do come back to you.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think that's one of the things that nurses or or nurses getting into industry worry about. They think, am I going to have a doctor that really is going to be there for me rather than just a doctor who but writes scripts? But if you scripts? don't have
2: that doctor, don't do it. Don't <laughs> exactly. Practice
0: it. But I think a lot of <laughs> nurses struggle with that. Yeah. Um, they, they find, you know, you can get hold of a doctor, but is that doctor experienced enough to handle these things?
2: Well, any any I suppose your doctors have to be as, also cosmetically you know, trained. Yes. Like us. Any doctor can prescribe, but you, you do have to have cosmetic, obviously they have to be trained. Obviously I would suggest any nurse getting into this industry, maybe if you're not confident, go and work with a plastic surgeon. That's another option because you're going to learn a lot. And experience is the key. It really takes a good two to three years before you be very comfortable and confident with injecting. And it's still at time with my level of experience, there are times the things I don't do, there are things at times you go, oh, oh, let me have a look at it. Let me check this skin so it is important and also one other thing that I do at my practice I really stick to products that got highest record of safety um, and that is for me very important just because there's a new dermal filler out that another client's using or the company says it's good it's not something that I'll bring and introduce. Yeah. I have worked with products that have been around and they've got over 20 million treatments been by them and they have had higher record of safety yeah. because sometimes these links you know if you think about all of these products are because of they have to be painted they are completely cross link differently so sometimes it's a cross-link that of the product that can cause skin sensitivity and I've seen it with some other product which I'm sure you have as well
1: mm.
0: yeah absolutely
1: so how did you I guess, focusing back on your career a little bit more and how you progressed. I mean, so you start, I said, you mentioned you trained with Marilyn Cassetta and, and, and doc, doc, uh, Dr. Dr. Jeffrey Heber. How did you then transition? Or what was what was that moment where you sort of decided you wanted to go out on your own? And what was that process like? It was
2: actually quite interesting. I worked for, for Jeff for a very long time. So I'm pretty much a creature, of, a creature of habit. And I worked with him for a long time and I really loved what I was doing. But I think it reached the point that I reached my ultimate goal. In my business, uh, in my career, and I thought at a time I got approached by it wasn't Galderma at the time, it was Cumet. They asked me if I could do some training for them, so I did do some few few sessions of training, but I didn't really enjoy doing that as much um, because I didn't like the travelling a lot. And I knew a plastic surgeon at the time who approached me to work with him, contracting. So I actually decided to work part-time with the clinic hours and go and do some contracting. And I really enjoyed the contracting and autonomous feeling of it. Mm. But one thing happened is I had a lot of followers. So the more you inject, I still got some clients from 22 years ago that still see me. <laughs>
1: They're the best. So
0: <laughs>
2: they are very, very lovely. And, and, you know, they become like your family. And I think as time went on, I thought, no, I want to do a bit for myself. And I started up a business for myself, but, um, slowly merge into that. But one of the things I did in that business, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be the one beauty shop, meaning doing from spray tanning to nail, to waxing, to this, to that. And what I realised by doing that is it's better to be master of one or two things than doing a lot. The HR of it was a nightmare because it's really, really hard. The more staff you've got, and if you think about staff in, you have to pay them a lot. We don't work like America that, you know, they get run on cheap. They're, they're high, the super this and that. So it, the expenses was like beyond the point and managing it was really, really hard. I'm also a mum, So that became very difficult. So now at the moment with my practice, I run it at what what we're very good at. We're good at injecting, we're good at skin. And I've got, I mean, sometimes whoever works for me doesn't leave, so (laughs) I must (laughs) be doing something right. So I do have very nice loyal um, girls that have been with me for a very long time. And I'm very fortunate in that sense, I have to say.
1: Yeah, so you need to basically Pick your niche. You have to and pick stick your, to your niche. strengths. Yeah. I,
2: exactly. Find out what your strength is. I love doing lips. Lips are one of my passions. And I think sometimes you get people saying, oh, the real injectors are not doing lips. But we're not talking about getting a young pair of lips and plumping them. I actually do lips that have got, you know, a symmetrical problem. I had a girl the other day, she was bitten on her lip and no one could have fixed it by a dog. So I actually had to even out the lips. So half of her lip was gone. And we created a beautiful shaped lips for her. So my job is very much so in doing lips. And if you look at my social media, I don't normally post a perfect lip becoming bigger. I actually post sometimes really uneven and small lips becoming bigger because I just think lips are very important. And there's a lot goes to it, whether it's your uneven bite, whether it's your teeth, whether it's your muscular. So there's a lot more goes to it. And that's one of the areas I really like to, and that's why I've given myself the hashtag lip queen. And a lot of people (laughs) refer to me as that.
1: (laughs) Speaking of lips, do you treat a lot of me? I know you commented on, on my lips. Do you treat a lot of men? And is there a difference in the way you approach? Or even say like a gay man versus a straight man. Hundred percent, hundred
2: percent. I do, I do very much. And at times I say no to people. Like there are times because I think those lips will walk out of there and represent me. So unfortunately, some of those lips you see on Instagram that there are too, too big. As much as clients want them, I sometimes have to say no at times. And also you gotta understand, lip is a muscle and it's quite vascular. And overfilling things sometimes overfilling can also cause problems. So the things we have to always understand is there is a limit you can also feel faces. Jake will tell you that because you know, i um, some doctors would disagree that pressure necrosis doesn't exist, but I have seen it. So, you know, sometimes over feeling can be a problem. But I do do men, I think with men, John Bon Jovi is the ideal lip <laughs> I would say he's got. Um, two big lips with men can look a little bit, yeah. Um, not as right because also men don't have the hair, so that's why I think we're doing male facials is very different. And normally when men have a facelift, they look weird because they don't have the hair to cover it. And that's why when women have a facelift, you normally don't see them in a ponytail. They always have got the hair because the ears kind of change. So doing too much cheek fillers and lips on men, on younger guys can carry it. On older men, can actually look a little bit too much. Yeah. Especially when they get the teeth done, then it's just a bit like, oh, hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lips and teeth, hello. <laughs> what do you think's led to that whole drive for bigger is better in a lip? Particularly think, in Australia, I've noticed Can
2: I tell it. you, I think it's just a matter of, I have seen it with people. You do a little, it looks good. You do a little bit more, you do a little bit more. I always tell my clients, I said Rod right, Stewart said something really great. One of the theories was they said, what's the difference between sexy and tacky? And he it goes, it's that half a millimeter, really in a skirt so I always tell my clients the difference between looking really nice cosmetically enhanced to that looking like overly cosmetically enhanced that is like scary is that one extra syringe so what happens is we look good but we want that little bit more that little bit more and we get used to it so it really comes down to us as injectors having the ethic going no darling stop remember I always ask my clients how do you want to look I want to look natural. Then as they get used to it, do a bit more, mm. do a bit more, do a bit more, I go, remember what you asked me the first day, go natural.
1: We also so, get desensitized after a while as well. You, you become look- used to the way that you look and your perception of yourself you changes. And then you've got things like social media where people are like seeing photos of how they think they should look yeah. or how celebrities are making themselves look and then I guess being influenced by that. So there's a lot of factors. Yeah.
2: but I think also our job is as injectors to tell our clients that we see you three-dimensional. In Instagram, you're just a picture. Yeah.
1: You don't with see filters. the face moving,
2: doing, doing this and that. I mean, it, you don't, a face moves. You gotta look at a person when they speak. There's a lot goes to it. A lot of time when I inject my clients prior to do it, I actually get them to talk to me and I film them yeah. because they don't realize to pull the muscle on one side. And especially if you ever do platysmal ban on them. I mean, my suggestion is always get them to say E and take a photo because later on they come and say, oh, look at my lower mouth, this happened. <laughs> so if you don't have the photos, you don't have a proof of what you work with. Yeah. Your photos are the key. Your consult is the key. Your consent forms, you will be surprised how much they can help you. And obviously, you know, doctors, obviously, you know, they have to follow the same thing. But with the nurses, you have to have doctors that are there available. You can't practice in Sydney, have a doctor in Gold Coast. It doesn't work like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I had one listener wanted me to ask you a question. Did you ever consider... Taking your nursing uh, qualification one step further and become a nurse practitioner. I
2: am actually thinking about that. Okay, I am thinking about that. I have see. One of the things has happened is I've been very fortunate because, as I said, we have got quite a. A lot of doctors involved with us, I didn't need to, but that's something I'm, I'm certainly consider
0: doing. So, I mean, currently, we can talk about regulation as well because this is part but, but of it. But
2: one thing about nurse practitioners, sorry to interrupt you, there's not a guarantee that I can do the three-year study and reduce time of my work, and at the end of it, they may say you can't prescribe this specific drug. Yes. Uh, but, but the truth of the matter is these are S4 drugs and for the regulation to change because it's not really the... No, I mean, some of the very good injectors I know are nurses. I have actually seen some brilliant nurses and I've seen some doctors really doing stuff. So you can't really say, nurse or a doctor, I think what we need to focus in this industry to stop people who practice not safely. Yeah. That is the main thing. The key is not to have people practicing from their home, not people practicing you know treatments and procedures. I mean, they're scary things. People can buy dermal fillers online, mm. so these are the things that we really should focus on stopping more than going. You know, because there are good nurses out there, but how are you going to stop? I know a lady that she bought dermal online and injected it, and we did a topic on it in sixty minutes. She, her friend, watched it on YouTube and injected this dermal in her globella.
0: This is a patient.
2: This this wasn't wasn't a patient of mine. It was a story on sixty minutes. Right, and it was funny because this lady bought. It on eBay, and a friend watched a YouTube and injected her. Oh. So these are really a serious problems we've got out there yeah. that are bigger problems than you know nurse injectors and
1: others. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I want to where did this drive Where did this sort of where did this initiative come from? Like where is this whole? I guess, stop nurses yeah, injecting, injecting things. because I am
2: not sure. I think I think I, I, I think the companies are not against nurses injecting because obviously that's going to be for the pharmaceutical well, it's like companies. like 70% that, of the industry oh, is it's nurses. It's going to be. And I think, I, I, I think the faces of Australia, not a lot of patients are going to be very happy because nurses do do a good job. I think we need to have probably more structure of, you know, accreditation. That's what yeah. we have to look at. Instead of going, we're going to stop this body because it's really unfair and it's a career and livelihood of people. This is the only job I know. So, you know, why should I stop practicing? Because some person's doing on practice, um, you know, not doing safe practice. And it's the same rounds for the doctors to say, you know, no cosmetic surgeon can work because there has been report of death. So we still see cosmetic surgeons are working um, and they're not becoming plastic surgeons, but they're still doing lipos. And some of them really do a good job. So I think we need to have, you know, more for more nursing bodies. And we need to have doctors such as Jake. You know, I know that you have been very, you've been supportive of a lot of nurses doing safe practice. You have been great. You have helped me at times, but I know that you choose your nurses very selectively as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um,
2: And I think we need to have some doctors, some plastic surgeons to come on board and recognize the nurses that practice safe. And we can actually go and we can be a body that we can all help each other because the pie is getting bigger. This is not the time 20 years ago where three people were getting toxin. people are getting it. Everyone wants to have it done. I mean, Laser Clinic was actually the reason it changed the industry dramatically. It actually brought these procedures to be mainstream. Before you had to go to a little corner. I mean, I I chose my place in a hidden place. So people don't see who comes in and out. You can see people walking around Westfield having their lips on. So it's the industry changing. People are working longer. Um, but it's all about safety mm. and I think that's something we need to keep in mind, safety yeah. of these procedures. There are medical procedure, and we have to keep in mind that safety is, is the key issue.
0: Mm. What do you think a regulation or a qualification might look like? I mean, that's the, the million dollar question, isn't it? Because no one really seems to know. What to do? They well, just know that there are pros and cons to wh- how it's currently running.
2: One of the things that is there, there is a obviously a cosmetic physician, for example, body. But I think there should be a, that, that cosmetic physician body. Maybe should consider having a cosmetic nurses as part of this. So it it could be something that we can work hand in hand yeah. and work well together because. Obviously the are S4 drugs, they need to be done under the supervision of a doctor. The doctors normally, you know, they have to be present on the premises and do regular visits and checks. So in my opinion, I think moving forward with a nurse's body, instead of saying, get this person inject, not that person inject, maybe we should look at having a nurse's body that you know, or even there could be an extra one year course, because I remember a few years ago, Marilyn Casada was thinking of doing that and she started it. But unfortunately, one of the issues, I think in cosmetic industry, there's too many peoples and too many egos. So as soon as one nurse starts going, I want to be running this course, everyone goes, well, I don't like you and this and that. And it's, it's an unfortunate thing about our industry yeah. um, that, you know, people want to pick and choose who they want to go to. But I think if we had a really good body and there are a lot of good, safe nurse injectors. I don't think this is so much about a nurse or a doctor. It's about practising safe. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it seems to make sense to me that rather than having a doctor or a nurse body, you have a cosmetic injector body.
2: Yeah, and that's basi- actually a very good idea.
0: Yeah, and the basic qualification would be either nurse or doctor yeah. or dentist, I think. And
2: registered nurses.
0: Correct. But, but within there, there is a framework where... You know, like you said, you've got to store your drugs. Uh, this, this, These are the expected standards yes. and so on and so on. Yeah. But that needs to be explicit and so everyone knows the rules because right now there's a bit of grey <laughs> in a lot of this. Yes. Uh, but, you know, who's going to take responsibility for that? That's the issue. Mm -hmm. Because then if, if, you know, if I set it up, not that I would, but if I did, then suddenly i think you
2: should. Actually, I really, (laughs) can I tell you, I think because you have trained with Allegan as you're one of the trainers and you have very good knowledge of it. I think you should.
0: But but what I'm saying is inevitably someone would say, I've got an agenda. I'm only for Allegan or I'm a doctor. So I can't push that. It it has to be... But I think it's got
2: to be a number of bodies. So how about the cosmetic injector? Have have a reputable nurse, have yourself, have another trainer from another. So it could be a group of people Who have been in this industry for a long time,
0: do it. 10 of us, 20 of us. Yeah,
2: 20 of us. And then it can be something that people can also do the course on. I mean, the issue is at the moment, people can go and, I believe, do a weekend course in toxins
0: and inject it.
2: I was shocked to hear it. This lady said in a clinic, she's got a beauty salon. She goes, oh, I've had a, my nurse has gone and done a weekend course coming in and injecting. I said, a weekend course. It took three years for me to pick up a syringe and so I was on a weekend course. It
0: just... I'll be completely honest. That's the first thing I did in the UK. I did a weekend course. and I certainly didn't set up the next day. It took me at least a year to sort of have the uh, confidence, I guess, to to, to start doing it on real people. But, you know, these things are available. And I think that that would be great for like a a refresher course. Yes. But not to, to
1: suddenly become an injector.
2: No, not at all.
1: Yeah, Not mm-hmm. at all.
2: You can't even do a cosmetic tattooing course on a weekend and start
1: doing it. <laughs> the problem is that the industry is so segmented. You've got like plastic surgeons, cosmetic surgeons, cosmetic physicians, nurse injectors, and everyone's trying to protect their patch of territory. Everyone's mm. trying to make sure that no one encroaches on how much money they're going to be able to make. And unfortunately, it's the the inner fighting that tarnishes the whole industry in a negative way because the person watching TV or watch, reading a newspaper article doesn't really know the difference between all these different factions within the industry. No, it just exactly. paints everyone as bad. Yeah. Whereas it's like we recognise there's problems but we need to work together to yes. fix it and to have a like a united a united front. And as if it's really about the patient's safety, then there should be a consensus exactly. that everyone can come to.
2: And I think if you follow the rules of Australia, we do follow pretty much the patient safety. I mean, all the regulation have come down is not to stop a nurse or a doctor or this point, point a finger at someone. It's at the end of the day for the patient's safety. Yeah. You know, the things are said pretty much. So it says for a drug, a doctor has to prescribe it. You have to have the doctor compactable or on-premises, which is a reasonable factor. Um, and also it's just, you know, with these drugs, you have to, I mean, if, if, if you work in a hospital, you do your, put your drugs in a safe place. Yeah. So, you know, cool temperature, this and that. So those are the things we all have to follow the rules. Yeah. If you're not following those rules, you shouldn't be really, whether it's injecting, even as a microdermabrasion or recently a dermapen got banned yes. if you think about it because of it wasn't being right. I mean, that is a procedure some women do. I mean, I know women go to someone's house and doing it. You're drawing blood. Yeah. And you know, whether the person changing the needle or not. And also clients have to be a bit more educated. It's not always about price shopping. Hmm. So this is where the complications happen. When we wanna get a luxury procedure, but you Budget. wanna not pay for it. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And unfortunately
2: it's not gonna happen.
1: So neutral bay was was that the first practice?
2: That was that was the first practice for Medispo by Maddie, yeah. So
1: now you're in Double Bay. So you yes. went from Neutral Bay to Double Bay.
2: Yes, yes, I'm, I'm following all the bays. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Double Bay is a
0: fancy part of uh, yeah. the south side of the bridge. It
2: was actually funny. I think I had my time there and um, I looked at my practice and they wanted more rent and I thought, no, I live in the east, why don't I go in the east? And a lot of my clients come from everywhere. Yeah. So once you've been in the industry for a long time, I don't get my clients from location. Hmm. Um, it's been, if people want to go by location, obviously they There's always Laser Clinic and other businesses they go to because you can just go through your page and see how many people do it. They come to see me practically. So if you want to come and see me, then um, it was an easier option and it's close to home. I'm a mom of two kids, so I need to be able to pick them up from school, drop them off and go back to work.
1: So what do you think it takes for a cosmetic nurse to be successful these days? If someone's listening out there and thinking, you know, this is for me, I'm a nurse or I want to do nursing and I want to do this,
2: be safe, have a passion for it. You need to have an aesthetic eye and you need to have the right technique. And you have to love being around people because I tell you what, this is not a job that if you're not a people person, you can deal with it. You know, it's very different. You know, you become like the hairdresser. I sometimes feel like I cancel some of my patients all the time. <laughs> and you have to be honest and you need to really put your career and your medical integrity first. And you do have to have a medical conscious have your medical conscious and try to stick within your limits and understand your place in hierarchy. You know, I at the end of the day, I am a very successful nurse and I have practiced for a long time but I also know my boundaries as a nurse. Yeah. You know, I am conservative. I won't go and put five mil in someone's face unless, you know, I've done it in the past because they needed it but I don't run my practice by just putting more and more and more. Our uh, practice very much so run by looking at aging very much so which begins from your skin and goes into muscle deep and that's how we practice. practice it our clients all get on a good skincare routine we really focus on skin you know in the past you need to use a lot of dermal fillers today we have ultraformer which is a really really good system that tightens the skin so you could do the toxins you could do that and you could probably use a little bit less fillers for the clients but you've got to think about what works for your clients and what they want Mm. so it's not really overfilling it's practically becoming having the medical conscious of doing what's right for the patients
0: Just out of interest, what things are you not comfortable doing or or you give to someone else?
2: One of the areas that I've never been very, very comfortable has always been temples. Temples always scared me. It always has. And I do them, but at times, if it's very, very hollow, I get my doctors to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I get my doctors to do it. I don't think at times if you if I don't feel comfortable doing a procedure as a nurse, I don't do it. And we do have doctors that are happy to do the procedure and it's better them doing it. Like fat dissolving, I normally get them to do it. So there are areas I'm quite busy with my regular clients and the areas I do. Um, as I said, one of my passion is lips. So that's what I do a lot of. Yeah. Um and that's practically, I would say, temple. And, and as you understand, it is, it is. you have to be very, I mean, one of the experiences I had once years and years ago when I was um, working for this plastic surgeon, we're training in it and he drew back and I actually saw the blood drawing back into the syringe. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh God, that is like the, uh, practically one time I saw it. Yes. So for me, that became a really good warning. And you just have to be warned yeah. about the areas.
1: What about noses? Do you need noses?
2: I have never done the noses. In the past, I've done very small, minor areas if Mm -hmm. we had to. I've always... Never liked it. Obviously, my cousin being an ear, nose and throat surgeon, Dr. Shahidi, gave me a very good anatomy revision of the nose and he always told me what to be cautious of and because of that fact, it was something that we don't... At our practice, we don't do noses at all. If people want to do it, we refer them out. Yeah. I do refer them to Dr. Stephen Liu, Michael Zachariah, They're very happy to do it. I'm more than happy them do it because they have a better understanding of the anatomy.
0: And that's really I sensible. There. I think a lot of, particularly junior injectors, they think that they have to learn everything and yeah. offer everything in the fear that if they don't offer it, the, the client will leave. But that's not how really it really should But clients
2: be. would really appreciate it sometimes. And like normally when the problem arises, then you don't know whether it was the semi-permanent or the permanent fillers. And you can't really go and combine these two products together. I'm one of those believers, sometimes it's actually not worth the money you get for treating that patient because it's going to end up costing you a lot more. And to be honest, I like to sleep at night. Yeah. So one of my thing is I practice safe, I practice, you know, I am conservative. I am not out there, you know, to do 10 mil in someone's face. I do believe there's a lot more we can do for our clients. And I have a lot of satisfact- satisfied clients. And our business is repeat and it's very much a work based some words of mouth. I think you have to be ethical and you need to be honest to your clients. I mean, I had a lady coming in the other day, she had a very thick filler injected in her nasal labial, which she felt it didn't work. And she came in, she wanted me to repeat the same procedure. Reality is, if I did the same thing, if you think about it, you got... Bank arteries, I would have blocked it. Yeah. So it was very good. And normally, if the clients have had the procedure overseas, I'm very cautious. If mm. anyone has had, especially in Middle East, I don't inject over it because I don't know what the product is. We don't know. In Europe, they've got over 50, 60 fillers out there. We don't know what they are. So if someone has had fillers overseas that they don't actually have the receipt of it that is, you know, um, uh, compatible with our fillers. I don't treat it. Yeah. There's and, no need.
1: And that's something that even, you know, Jake and I, we've had conversations about this and with other guests we've had on the podcast is just patients being honest yeah. about what they've had previously had yeah. done or shopping between injectors yeah. or they might get a result that they weren't 100% happy with it rather than going back to their injector. Yeah hop across to someone else and act like they haven't had anything done and then it's it's your problem sometimes it's
2: better to not treat the patient there is no see we're not an emergency place it's not triple O we don't have to really treat them if they come in you don't I mean you know sometimes clients are not happy you can see some of them can just come to you because they're depressed they want to have these procedures so you just got to think about yourself at the end and think about when this person comes back unhappy how are you going to treat it so we really need and cooling periods is very important if I have a client coming in that they haven't had fillers of toxins before, I'll give them all the info, i consult them, the doctor will see them, they actually have to go 24 hours later and come right. back. Okay. If you haven't had it before, because sometimes people, they don't know about it. They yeah. come in, they go, what do I need? You tell them, they really need to think about this. Yeah. As, much as, as much as there is no law enforcing that, but I think as a practice, when you do it, they appreciate it. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I think when you're in the industry and it's so normal to you, you sometimes take for granted that people don't know
2: People don't know, yeah,
1: it's so normal to us because we yeah. talk about it every day,
2: yeah. And sometimes very young people go, I want to do it as preventative. I mean, whether you have your toxin in 20 or 25 makes no difference because the line will raise anyway, yeah. So I just <laughs> say, go and enjoy frowning for now because <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be a day like me, and there's no point for someone in you know, young in the 20s to look like me, really, because you want women like in we want women to look. The best age practically. So, yeah. if you're in your 40s, we want you to look like an Medi spot. Our rules are we want you to look like a great 40 year old. I don't want to make you like a 30 year old. Yeah. If you want me to make you like a 30 year old, it's not the right. You're not in the right practice. Yes. Go out and find a practice who will cater for that.
1: Yeah. Because you'll or always be able to tell. Who would. You can always tell because, I mean, you can make someone's face look a certain age, but if the body doesn't match or yeah. you, you sort of, there's, it sometimes makes things more obvious.
2: Yeah. And, you know, there are injectors for every type of personality. Yeah. So, some people do like to do those massive lips. And if that's what you want, go to that clinic because this is our clinic wouldn't cater for
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Real Housewives of Sydney, talk to us. Oh my God, I knew
2: that would pop up. (laughs) I knew that would pop up. Talk to us about that. Well,
1: firstly, what
0: is the program? For some people who've never heard of it, what is it?
2: Um, It's a franchisee program. And in Australia, um, they they did Melbourne. Melbourne was very successful. And they decided to do Sydney. I worked with Channel 7 for over seven years. I was one of the beauty experts. The way I got into that, we had a lot of clients from Channel 7 coming in and out. And we decided to do some makeovers with Sunrise from that. Morning show started happening, which is I think now it's like fifteen years ago. At the time, I remember just no actually thirteen years ago. So morning show came about, and I got approached by one of the producers. Said, "Do you want to come for a little audition?" And I'm normally one of those people. I like. Getting in front of you. I'm obviously not camera shy and definitely not microphone shy. (laughs) As you guys can see, no one's spoken but me. Um, So I did it and surprisingly, they really liked me. I had a regular segment for a few years. Then we now do it sometimes monthly or as desired. Um, Then from there, when they wanted to do the cast of Housewives, they wanted to look at women who were socialized, they were out, they were doing things. And surprisingly, I was one of them. So a lady approached me and said, Do you want to audition for it? And I said, oh, why not? And everyone at the time said, you're not doing that. No, you're not doing that, especially <laughs> family members. I got disowned by my sister, by this, by that. And I said, okay. And I signed the contract and said, guess what? I'm doing it. So I did it. It ended up being a very fun thing to do. Um, it was pretty real.
0: What what is the premise of the show, or what's it about in a, in a so nutshell? So it is
2: about it's about seven women of Sydney. Probably um, we are a bit demanding, not that I am a bit self centered. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but it's about seven women in Australia that are friends. Um, I suppose you know there's a bit of a glamour, there's a bit of a you know money this and that and that. So Showcasing it's just successful
0: women, yeah, successful and, and women, in
2: inspiring women. Um, I suppose we are quite feisty, very strong women. Um, I mean, seriously, you don't want to get any of them on your bad side. Yeah. So, you you do go through psych tests. You do go through quite a lot of audition. Like, I had to go through three or four. And you've got to hold your own. And obviously, you know, you have to have a substance in it. So, the women, the seven women I've actually worked for, work with, they're absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, it was six others beside myself. Um, I've learned a lot from them. I've developed some beautiful friendship from them. They were great women. You know, they're the great women. They're just... You know, they're all warriors out there. There was no one sitting there. There's no little kittens get away there. <laughs> so how does it
0: work? Does the camera follow you around 24-7? No, or? so
2: it, it is scheduled. We had scheduled because I'll work through the time. Um, obviously, I can't not work, so, you know, i have to work. And so you have pretty much so a schedule, but it was a lot of filming. Like it was 30 hours of filming. Yeah. Most of the events we went to is at night and you go to events. And imagine seven very opinionated, strong women sitting around a table. <laughs> and we are there. Normally, if you meet someone, you don't tell them what you think about it. But I suppose to start such a show, that was something we had to do. So I would say, this is what I think of you, this is what I think of you. And that's what starts the show. Yeah. And then the rest is whatever happens, happens.
0: What, um, is there any... I don't know how to put this is, is any of it sort of set up to deliberately stimulate a debate or I th- is it I completely think you know off what? The cuff?
2: in every reality show there is slight bit of direction going but you can never predict what happens and that's why it's a reality show yeah. like you could as a director so i'm going to put these two in here because these two hate each other and they're going to fight but you'd be so surprised that some topic comes up completely irrelevant and that becomes the biggest drama so and also everyone's a bit of a drama queen um so it's just it's just personalities are pretty much picked and i think with sydney they did really well but we're too outrageous and there were too many fightings
0: well this is what i heard i heard the feedback from the states was it was too wild
1: the language was too uh full-on they
2: banned it so you can only buy it on dvds
1: too controversial for tv very
2: (laughs) and i'm not a controversial person but at least i think i'm not
1: (laughs) so there's no season two
2: we don't know yet that's got to be a surprise. All We're right. all hoping there will ah. be.
1: And what impact did it have on your practice? Was it positive, negative, um, indifferent? For me,
2: it was was positive. See, I it's it's important. I do work with women, and to work with women, I do like women, and. Um, For me, and and I do work with a lot of women, so it was easy for me to get along with the other girls. And I am actually just not a nasty person. I do speak the truth. Um, I can at times time offend you, but I know at the same time when to say sorry, which is, you know, it's a good habit to have. But for me, it was good. It actually, you know, brought a positive attention to the practice. I mean, at first, I had a lot of things said about my lips because I have got an accent. People thought my accent was caused because of my lip fillers. And I'm (laughs) like... no it's not caused because of lip fillers i do have an accent so <laughs> you get those silly comments but beside that no it was pretty good you okay. need a lot
1: of lip filler to change the way that you talk
2: i, I think i've <laughs> had that many trust me <laughs> i've had it for 20 years so
1: tell us about your
0: forever young range that is yes. run by yourself
2: so forever young range uh one of the things that I'm sure you've seen as a uh, injector, a lot of the clients that come to us complain about some facial lines that are not dynamic r- lines. They're not caused by facial movement. They're caused by sleeping. Mm. And they normally go vertical to the face. And in the past, when years and years ago we had the bovine collagen, it was easy to treat them. But with the new hyaluronic acid, it's really, really hard to treat them normally because they go lumpy, they don't settle. Um, so one thing that I created was a pillow that you could sleep on it. and, it, and it actually contours to your face and Mm -hmm. it concaves and what it does it actually reduces the pressure from your face and pushes it into the spine so you get a very nice sleep it's actually a chiropractic pillow but I contoured it in a way that it doesn't press against your face so you don't get those sleep lines so we started that Line during um, when I started a housewife, it was something I always wanted to do. During the housewives, I did that, and it was it's been a quite a success. And I still have got the pillows, but the last year has been a bit of a chaotic year in my life, so I haven't been focusing on it. Moving forward this year, we're going to have more ranges on it. There's a hair oil as well, uh, which is a Persian hair oil that you can actually rub it into your scalp, and it can actually create you know it gets away from the dry scalp. So it's it's a, it's a very soft. It's not it's not a it's not a cosmetic range, but it's more of a beauty range.
0: Yeah, and also with the pillows, you do the silk They all sheets. come with
2: silk and satin pillowcases. Satin is mostly for younger people, but silk comes for especially men and women who lose hair and especially the faces. It's it's very, very good. So very we nice. have got – it's very much so a sleeping and more of a luxury because I, I create enough pain to my patients. <laughs> so I thought, there you go, have a beauty sleep. As we all know, you need your beauty sleep, you need your good diet, good skincare. And your injector. These are the things you need to you look young.
0: Do you think we could offer our listeners a little promo for some of these? One
2: hundred percent. Please, we promote do.
1: this on our Instagram.
2: Thank you very much. No Thanks worries. for doing that, Jake.
1: <laughs> so, what advice would you give to injectors looking to get into the industry in terms of what should they do? In terms of. I guess, um, obviously they need to be at least a registered nurse, but maybe beyond that, in terms of things that they potentially...
2: I think any registered nurse that has got hospital experience, especially in emergency, is very, very lucky to enter the field. One other thing is, make sure beauty is an area that you have passion for. Aesthetic eye is very important. And my advice is definitely do the weekend courses, as many courses as you can do, but you need to work at a clinic that they're willing to train you, under right supervision. And that's very important. That's one thing that I got, because where I worked I worked with a very experienced doctor and they taught me everything that I know today you need to go to a reputable place and learn there's no such a thing as three months doing the course going out there doing it and you really need to stick to the books to survive in this industry especially as a nurse you have to stick to the book and you have to understand this is for a drug and at the end of the day you need the doctors to sign the prescriptions for you and you have to have doctors supervising your patients at the same time as you.
0: And yeah. just to add to that, I would actually say you need to elevate yourself
1: above what is expected and try and be even exactly, better in that. exactly. And, and passion too, right? I mean, because I think a lot of people maybe come into this industry because they think it's a, a great opportunity to make money, which it can be if you're successful. But yep. if you're not passionate, then that's not going to get you through the tough times because there will be tough times. There will oh, be definitely. like horrible patients and things that go wrong. And, oh, definitely,
2: yeah. definitely. For every three satisfied client you're going to have, you're going to have the one that actually really not happy and it can cause you grief and it can actually cost you at the end of the day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it is very important. How are you going to settle with the complication? How are you going to handle difficult clients? It, it really, really takes time. It takes three to five. Like if, if you're working somewhere, I would normally say, give yourself a good three years before you even think about moving out into yeah. a practice. And running a business, business has got its own challenging. Whether you're on a chicken shop or a juice bar, remember, they have challenging. You're going to have staff challenging. You're going to have, you got to do this. You got to do that. You're going to have product costs. You need to understand what everything, what your expenses are. So yeah. it's, is a lot to go to run with the business. Yeah. They're running a business, a whole different thing. Yeah. So running the business and injecting are two separate angles that you have to think about managing as well.
1: And something that you touched on was um, having a good network of people around you. So actually being part of a community where you've got colleagues that you can talk to, doctors that are there for you when, yes. when if and when something goes yeah. wrong. So you're actually part of a community rather than an island out there on your own. Very
2: much so. And I think one of the very good training, training sessions that I even went to as an experienced Injector was a face coach that I believe Jake has trained for them a few times. Yes. Um, you're involved in that, I think. But yeah. it's, they are brilliant, very, very good. Yeah. Doctor Goodman is great. He's a word of he's knowledge. Not just
1: good, he's great. Oh, he, he, he's good to, and great. He should change his name to Dr. Gregor. He, he, he's a
2: great man, but he is fantastic. He's he's a ward of knowledge. I have always learned in his seminars. Make sure you go to all the seminars as well. Work somewhere. See if this is a job you want to have. Because at the end of the day, as glamour as it is, you know, it's, it, it is a difficult job. You are dealing with people. You are dealing with women who are ageing. If someone's unhappy about a wrinkle on their face, can you imagine how they feel when that wrinkle becomes a lump or a granuloma or a bruise that doesn't up? pigments? You're in there for... A whole lot of drama. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, what I like about face coach is that I mean, I'm sort of singing from the same song sheet here, but all of the trainers have got at least ten years' experience. Oh, very much so. Whereas some of these courses, unfortunately have less experience even yep. in their trainers and so it's sort of like
1: the blind leading the blind occasionally yes. but let's um, not let's not use the word blind when we're talking about dermal no,
2: I know that's not a good word. but you know <laughs> you know what I mean I, yeah. I, I think Jack you know something I remember in medicine they say you see one you do one you teach one yeah. which is which is it's it's very nice when you're giving someone a vitamin B injection yes. but when not, not when you're panadol, doing a pair yeah. of lips so it's not like that, there are things I remember one of the main things I learned from Dr. or Moore who I'm still in contact which has been great and she was involved in my business for many months and I'm sure I know you have met her too um, she one of the things she said she said before ever doing lips always look at it and always show the patient every little imperfection you see because later on when you do it you'll be so surprised how you are the one and you're the reason that when they smile and it's the muscle that pulls the right side up but no it was the way you injected a dermal filler. Yeah. people very quickly forget how they look if you ask many people what color the face of their watches they probably go oh I can't really remember unless they spend a lot of money on it but, but normally we don't remember so it's very quick how we forget how we wear. Yeah. And sometimes people come back and go, but that little line is like, well, if you want that to go, we don't have a magic wand. We're yeah. not doing facelift. Yeah. Our job is really to soften fine lines and rejuvenate your face and feel its feel. They yeah. don't lift, and they are hollow. Um, they are hydrophilic. It's important to understand they can react differently in people's faces. So, I, I my advice to a lot of nurses when you start, start little, do less. Less is more. Once you get to know this filler works for the patient, you can always go and add more. Yeah. But once you put a lot in, to take it out and to highlight, is a whole different ball game and all the side effects. Yeah, on yeah.
0: it's not like you a know? makeup remover that often no. people think it is. Some exactly, it's, more it's not. It's got itself. a whole
2: different side effect. Whether the patient gonna have an allergy with it? Whether they're gonna, it's gonna break into any. Infection. So, those are the things you have to remember. Do less. You can always add it on. Get your patients always back in two weeks later. There's nothing wrong with that. If you book the patient two weeks later, they are, they're more likely not going to call you and bother you every second day. That's something you're not going to get. They're going to come and see you because they know two weeks later they have to wait that duration. And by that time, you can see and you can add more or take less. But be practical. This, yeah. is a, this is a field, as glamour as it is and as fabulous it is, you need to use your practical skill. You need to be practical. You need to use your skill. You need to understand anatomy and you have to be safe. And remember, you need your doctors on board and on side at all time. Yeah. If you don't have a doctor that be on side with you, don't do it.
1: Yeah. Otherwise Let's you're on your I own. I
0: love your philosophy.
1: That's a great time to end, I think. Yeah. How Thank do people you. get in contact if they want to chase down the fabulous... Maddie Samai for I just go also.
2: on my social media, Maddie Samai. You can go on my website. We are more than happy to take new consults and. We're looking forward to keep Australia young amongst <laughs> our colleagues, Dr. Jake, who's doing a fabulous job, and a lot of other fantastic nurses out there and doctors.
0: Can you spell your name? Because when I first heard your name, I thought your name was Maddie.
2: It's because Matty. of how it's Australians M-A-T-T-Y. say your name. It's Yes, and my last name is S A M A E I. So it's Matty Samoy Perfect. I do have a voice of a man, and I have got a <laughs> name of a man. So I think a lot of times that's why I can never do radio. So, ladies, I am a woman. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone wondering, there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Thanks for Thanks joining us. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much. See, Enjoy, later. See you later.